AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Even if you don't think of yourself as superstitious, you've probably knocked on wood or uttered a casual bless you when someone sneezes. It's in our nature to want to control the uncontrollable, and superstitions are just one way that we exert that desire, even if they don't really do anything at all. Triscodecophobic architects often leave buildings without a 13th floor, while some commercial airplanes don't have a 13th row. Athletes even have their own rituals and superstitions. They may not change their socks during an entire season, or eat a bit of grass off the field before each game. Whatever it is, it's clear everyone does something to put good fortune in their favor. And presidents are no exception. William McKinley was a Civil War veteran and a lawyer before he became the 25th President of the United States. He worked his way up in politics, earning a seat in Congress in 1877. He had run against the Democratic nominee, Levi Lamborn, beating him by over 3,000 votes. A solid win, but one that had left him earning half of what he was making with his law practice. Although he and Lamborn had been political rivals, they remained friends. In fact, they had become quite close while campaigning the year prior. Lamborn was a horticulturalist, known for growing red carnations. McKinley often spoke of how lovely his flowers were. So Lamborn, being the gentleman that he was, made a gesture of goodwill. Before one of their debates, he presented McKinley with a red carnation, which the candidate pinned to his lapel. McKinley won the debate, and then went on to win Ohio's 17th Congressional District. He was convinced that the flower had something to do with it, so he made sure that whenever he went out on the campaign trail, he had a red carnation fastened to his lapel. And it worked. When the Democrats tried to gerrymander his district to sabotage his re-election, he still came out on top. He faced minor losses after a bit of political skullduggery from the other side, but eventually went on to become governor of Ohio in 1892, his famous red carnation always close to his heart. The ambitious McKinley continued to climb the political ladder, and with his flower pinned to his chest, there was no way that he could lose. His friend and fellow Republican Mark Hanna helped him secure the nomination for president in 1896. McKinley fought a hard campaign against Democratic candidate William Jennings Bryan, speaking to over 700,000 supporters from his front porch in Canton, Ohio. On the evening of November 3rd, after everyone had cast their votes, it was clear. McKinley would be the 25th president of the United States of America, and he easily won the election for his second term four years later in 1900. The people loved him. Well, most people. Leon Chulgas saw McKinley as just another rich man exploiting the working class. 
He became emboldened by a speech from anarchist Emma Goldman, who inspired the struggling Cholgas to make a statement of his own, one that would resonate around the world. He would kill the president. Meanwhile, McKinley and his wife had been on a cross-country tour following his inauguration. Their plan had been to visit the Pan American Exposition, a World's Fair in Buffalo, New York, before returning to Washington. However, the First Lady had fallen ill on the West Coast, cutting their trip short. McKinley rescheduled his visit to the Expo for a few months later. His staff was wary of the trip. His secretary actually tried to cancel it twice. King Umberto I of Italy had been murdered by anarchists a year earlier, and such public events were considered too dangerous, even with heightened security. The president wasn't worried, though. He trusted his people, and he had a red carnation pinned to his jacket for good luck, just like always. On September 6th of 1901, McKinley arrived at the Pan American Expo as he'd intended. He loved meeting with people, shaking hands and talking with everyday Americans. As he made his way through the crowd, a 12-year-old girl walked up to him. Her name was Myrtle Ledger, and she had an important question. She asked if she could have his pretty red flower. McKinley usually carried bouquets of carnations with him to give out to the public. He even kept them on his desk in the Oval Office. But on this day, all he had was the single carnation on his lapel. Not wanting to appear unkind, he unpinned it and extended it toward her. I must give this flower to another flower, he said, before moving on without his good luck charm pinned to his chest. He climbed the steps to the Temple of Music concert hall as supporters approached him for handshakes and well wishes. And that's when a man stepped forward, his right hand shrouded in a handkerchief. It was Cholgas. McKinley went to shake his left hand instead, and as they shook, Cholgas fired the revolver he had hidden under the cloth, shooting the president twice in the stomach. McKinley didn't die immediately. He underwent an operation to remove the bullets, but the wound became infected. Gangrene spread to his internal organs, and he passed away eight days later. To the superstitious, giving away his carnation was the worst thing he could have done that day at the expo. However, one good thing did come out of the tragedy. To honor the late president, Ohio passed legislation three years later, adopting the scarlet carnation as the official state flower. McKinley might be gone, but thanks to Dr. Levi Lamborn, we can all still catch a glimpse of his lucky charm. Superstitious or not, I'd call that curious. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. It's unwise for employees in dangerous professions to goof around. It's not just about professionalism, either. One wrong step on a structural beam and a steelworker can find themselves falling 30 floors in seconds flat. A fisher who isn't paying attention can wind up overboard, or worse. From truck drivers to loggers, people who work in these fields need to be at the top of their games at all times. That goes double for commercial pilots, who are often responsible not just for their own lives, but the lives of hundreds of passengers flying with them. Which brings us to Alexander Kloyev. Kloyev was a pilot, flying jetliners for Russian airline Aeroflot. On October 20th of 1986, he took 87 passengers and 7 crew members on Flight 6502 from Yekaterinburg in central Russia to Gozny in Chechnya, with a stopover in the city of Samara. He was accompanied by his co-pilot, Gennady Zhirnov, as well as a flight engineer and navigational expert. Each member of the crew was experienced in their field. Kloyev, in particular, was quite familiar with the kind of plane he was flying. He had operated numerous times before and knew what its twin engines were capable of. As the aircraft approached Samara, Kloyev dropped down to an altitude of about 1,300 feet. His instrument panel lit up like Christmas— So air traffic control suggested he land using a non-directional beacon approach, or NBD, which utilized a radio transmitter on the ground to send a signal to the plane. Think of it sort of like how bats fly, where the signals are bounced around to tell the bat where it is in space. But Kloyev had descended too fast and too quickly. The plane sped ahead at 173 miles per hour. Landing alarms blared as air traffic control ordered the pilot to abort the landing, otherwise known as a go-around. But it was also too late for that. Kloyev was too close to pull the aircraft back up. The plane touched the earth so hard, it bounced and flipped upside down, missing the runway entirely. It skidded along before finally settling as the airport authorities and first responders rushed to its location. They pried the doors open to find a disaster inside the cabin that was even worse than what had happened on the tarmac. Sixty-three people had been killed in the crash, Seven were carefully removed from the wreck and rushed to local hospitals, but died from their wounds after. The co-pilot, Zhirnov, was one of the few survivors of the impact. He managed to help others to safety, but sadly his heart stopped on the way to the hospital. Miraculously, all 14 children on board the plane had survived, as had Kloyev. When they interrogated him about the crash, he came clean about ignoring air traffic control. However, he lied about the reason for his rough landing, citing it as a failed training exercise. 
Eventually, though, the truth came out, and it earned the disgraced former pilot a one-way ticket to a 15-year prison sentence. It hadn't been a training exercise at all. Kloyev had tried to land the plane blindfolded. He was so sure of his skill in handling the aircraft, he bet his co-pilot that he could land it without having to see the ground. Zhirnov thought he was joking. Surely, with 94 souls on board, the seasoned Kloyev would not try something so dangerous, but the man turned out to be serious. And confident. There was no blindfold in the cockpit, so he had the crew draw the curtains across the front windshield to block his view of the outside. When air traffic control tried to assist him in his landing, he dismissed them, choosing only to rely on his instrument panel. The proximity alarms blared as the plane got closer to the ground. One crew member threw the curtains open in a panic, giving everyone a glimpse of the tarmac a mere seconds before impact. Alex Kloyev only served six of the 15 years he'd been sentenced to for his stupid and tragic stunt, and it's viewed by many as an insult to the families of those who were killed by his negligence. Most tales of curiosity are a product of wonder, or invention, or lucky coincidence, and I think we can all agree how fun they are to hear. But sometimes the most curious thing we can learn is just how dumb people can be, and how deadly those mistakes end up becoming. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.